0: Love, talk, radio. Welcome, world. Welcome once again to Tuesday Talk with Key West Lou. I am your host, Louis Patron. Well, a political blanket has fallen over the country. I try to avoid each week in recent months talking about politics because we get bombarded. Radio, television, newspapers, magazines, uh, but tonight I've got to talk a little bit of politics, some oddball things as I see them, things you might not be aware of. Uh, first, let me start this way, though. It's the vice presidential debate tonight. It's starting right now. I wish I was watching it. Uh, I hope some of you are listening. I know most of you uh, follow this show by the listening to the archive version So I may have no one here right now, and you're all going to come back for the archive version during the week. Whatever way, I'm glad you joined me, because as I've said before many times, my numbers are going up every week. I am so pleased that you listen in. All right, here's what I want to talk about politically. Uh, This has been a week of presidential politics without any question. Uh, I'm only going to address uh, a couple of things here. Trump, Donald Trump, in my opinion, is screwing up. And there's two things he's done that may cause him harm, irreparable harm. He accused accused Hillary Clinton of infidelity uh, for shame, Donald. And I'm going to say something. She may have cheated. I don't know. And quite frankly, I don't care. What her husband Bill did 20 years ago, I don't care. That's yesterday's news. Uh, And as to Donald. I have to say to him, let he who is without sin, repeat, let he who is without sin, cast the first stone. I can't believe he's gone through his life with all that money and the exciting New York City life had uh, three beautiful wives and those beautiful showgirls, and he hasn't uh, been a bad boy on occasion. No other way. He had to be. But here's what I'm saying. I said one year ago on this show... I wrote about this in my blog. I said this was going to be a dirty campaign, and it was going to become a dirty campaign because of Donald Trump. He was going to get into sex, and sex should have nothing to do with this. And I'm convinced that there's, even though there's only 37 days, that he's still going to get into sex. I hope I am wrong. And the sex that's going to come up, and I, I bite my tongue as I say this, but I've said it before on the show, and I've said it in writing, he's going to accuse Hillary Clinton of being uh, bisexual, bisexual. Uh, she likes uh, ladies who are bisexual and lesbians. Now, how's he going to handle this? What what, what is his basis for making such a representation? Well, about two years ago, a woman wrote a book in which she said Hillary Clinton was bisexual and that she happened to be in the White House and she happened to be in Hillary's bedroom uh, while Hillary was doing some woman. Uh, And she put this in her book. Now, you never heard about it. No one's ever picked up on this. I don't know where. I found it someplace a year ago. and uh, But he's going to bring it up. And the way he's going to bring it up, because he's pushing towards sex now, he's going to say, you know, I don't want to say this. And I don't know. But it was in a book. And the book was published. I don't know if it's true. And I don't know what to do. But I've got to bring it up. That's his way. Okay? Gee, I don't want to do this, but I've got to do it. And I think... I don't know how that if that comes out, how that if that's even true, or whether it's true or not. If it comes out, how it's going to react with the American public? I think it's going to irritate a lot of people, but you don't know. The other thing is, Trump has opened a Pandora's box. This man, they say he's brilliant. He's made all this money. I don't know. I admire anyone who makes the kind of money he claims he made, and obviously he has made some good money. Uh, He shows wealth quite easily. What what I'm concerned with, though, it doesn't seem like he made all this money legitimately. He may have cut a corner or two, broken a rule or two, shaved a a statute or two, shaved a law or two. What am I talking about? He's got $916 million in debt. Lost carryover in one year. My God. That's astronomical, and it is true. Uh, He could get $50 million right off for the next 18 years, but we don't know what makes up that $916 million. The man is a real estate mogul, all right? And that means that he lost a lot of buildings along the way when things were tough, okay, back in the 90s. I can see that happening. But the problem is, what was the value of the loss? Now, he may think that... This particular hotel was worth $250 million at the time he lost it. That's what he had into it that he lost, when in reality it was only $85 million. Do you see what I'm saying? He puts the number on it. How did he arrive at it? And if that number's off, he's in trouble, unless there's a statute of limitations that applies here. I don't know. I'm not a tax lawyer. I am impressed with all this, but... He's going to be in trouble there, I think, if there's an investigation. If he wins, nobody's going to investigate him. But if he loses, he's going to get investigated. The New York State Attorney General is after him for that nonprofit thing. Now, he's already sent out a cease and desist letter. He's using he's taking in money he shouldn't take, and he's spending it improperly. That's jail time. I mean, here's a man who shouts from the rooftops that Hillary belongs in jail. I mean, he belongs in jail if he's doing these things. Let's let's be frank. Let's cut the bullshit and get to the issues. I'm interested, like you are, in jobs, the economy, uh, infrastructure, et cetera, et cetera. All right, so that's uh, one of my political things I wanted to share with you. The other is this. Uh, the New York Times came out this week with the $916 $16 million thing, almost a billion dollars in lost carryovers. Fantastic. Oh, my God. Uh, but there's hypocrisy involved in this. I got to say it this way on the part of the New York times and it's the pot calling the kettle black and in 19, let's see it. No, 2014, the New York times. Okay. Did not pay any taxes yet. They had a pre-tax profit of $29.9 million. In other words, they had to pay taxes on $29.9 million. After everything was done, they had to pay taxes on that amount. When they're tax lawyers, these people, all, tax lawyers, no wonder they make a lot of money. They're saving people a lot of money. I am impressed. When the tax lawyers got done with the New York Times' is $29.9 million, guess what? The Times got a $3.5 million refund. Not, not even uh, Donald Trump got a refund. They got a 3.5 million dollar refund. Now, it really doesn't shock me because this happens with General Electric almost every year. They have this big tax they're supposed to, a dollar month' they're supposed to pay a tax on. They never do, and they get a refund. There was a paragraph in the article I read on this New York Times thing, and explaining how the tax lawyers did it, and quite frankly, I'm a lawyer. I did not understand it. It was beyond me, but I'm assuming it's legal and proper, and I'm assuming all the corporations do it. And also what Donald Trump did, the lost carryover is legitimate. I know that. I've had lost carryovers from my law business, for my law practice. However, it's how you get to the numbers you put down, how do you get to the numbers you give your account and your CPA. So let's see what happens. By the way, Forbes in 2014, reported the New York Times information I just shared with you. Now, remember Munich, 1938, Hitler's threatening Europe with war. Uh, the European allies are all concerned. Uh, they went to Munich. They had a conference with Hitler. And this, the funny part of all this, if you, you read the history on it, I've known this for years, is that uh, Chamberlain and the allies called for this meeting in Munich. And they went there, and they wanted to avoid war. Hitler didn't even know why the hell they were coming. He knew they wanted to avoid war. They offered him Czechoslovakia, I'm sorry, a, a piece of Czechoslovakia if he would not cause a war, start a war in any place. He went in another room and laughing with Goring or somebody or Himmler and said, these guys are nuts. I don't even want that piece of Czechoslovakia. I, have, I, did, I didn't ask him to come. I didn't ask him to give me anything. But I'll take it. They're giving it away. And so they gave away something they didn't have to, a part of a country that they didn't even have title to, so to speak. And you remember Chamberlain came back to England. He's getting off the plane in his hand. He's got the Munich document uh, agreement signed by Hitler, signed by him and several other countries. And he said, peace in our lifetime. And then he said he found Hitler to be a gentleman. Okay. Now. We have tr- and it only took less than two years for Hitler not to be a gentleman because he invaded Poland, okay? So th- this piece in our lifetime was a crock. But even more was he's a gentleman because this is like Donald Trump when he talks about Putin. Putin's doing a great job, okay? He's got intelligence. No-nonsense type guy, okay? Uh, and, and he's my new best friend. Well, I relate Trump's uh, talking about Putin as his new best friend. That's comparable to Chamberlain saying that Hitler, he's a gentleman, and Hitler screwed Chamberlain and the Allies and invaded Poland. When is Putin going to turn on the United States if Trump is president? How soon will it come? Because Truman's going to piss everybody, uh, not Truman, I'm sorry, Trump's going to piss everybody off. No question about it along the way. And we're going to have our Poland. Something's going to happen. That's it. Now, it could happen before uh, Obama's even out of office because the Syria thing is heating up. No longer are we on the side of Syria and Russia uh, and supporting Assad. Now we're with the rebels, because every time Putin this past month sends a plane up to bomb, he's bombing the rebels who want to throw us out, out of office, who we were supporting till about a month ago. And all these people are being killed. Innocent people are being killed. They're not putting out mili- He's not putting out military situations. And we've got to do something. And John Kerry knows it, and Obama knows it, and they don't know what the hell to do. Actually, we should go in and bomb. The Russian airfields in Syria, but that's stupid on my part. That's going to cause an all-out war, but we have to take a firm stand. I don't know what it is, but let me tell you something. Obama may know how to avoid it, and he may not do what we all like. Trump won't know how to do it, and there will be trouble because it's his best friend. I want to talk about Hillary Clinton and Julian Assange. Today, I don't know if you picked up on this, it started last night. Uh, Assange, right now, he's the WikiLeaks guy. He gets all this crap out, uh, emails and everything else. He, he, uh, he's hacked everything worldwide. Uh, right now, he's been stuck for five years in the Ecuadorian embassy in London because uh, he can't come to the United States. The United States wants him, and that's how he protects himself. By staying there, Ecuador gave him uh, asylum. Well, he announced yesterday that he was going to, this morning, he was going to announce and provide 250,000, 250,000, no, I'm sorry, 10,000, my numbers, because i got other numbers here, 10,000 more uh, emails. And it was thought these were in effect Hillary Clinton because for some reason he dislikes Hillary Clinton. And he was going to announce these emails that were hacked from the balcony, <clears throat> excuse me, of the Ecuadorian embassy in uh, London. Well, then Assange said he was threatened. My life was threatened. And he thought that Hillary and her people were going to try to kill him before he did this. This is for real what I'm telling you. This is for real from the sense of what Assange is telling people. And so he went to the Ecuadorian government, and he says, how are you going to protect me? What are we going to do? And they said, you're not going to do anything. You can't talk from the balcony and say all this from our embassy because we're afraid somebody's going to get killed here, whether it's you or one of our people, if what you're saying is true. Understand, again, Hillary is worried about these 10,000 emails. And he, she's going to try to kill him. And the reason she's going to try to kill him, the basis for this is that four or five years ago when she was secretary of state in a very secure room in, in the White House uh, or in the state office building, secretary of state's building, she and her staff were talking about the uh, 250,000, that's where the number came in, diplomatic cables and emails that Assange was threatening to release. And in those two hundred and fifty thousand emails and cables was information vital to the security of the United States. And they didn't know how to stop him. So apparently everything's recorded in the secured room. Because Hillary went on to say, and I quote, can't we just drone this guy? I repeat, can't we just we can we just drone this guy? And I'm sure she said it in a facetious manner, maybe halfway serious. But based on that statement of four or five years ago, he's convinced that whoever told him that Hillary was trying, and her people are going to try to get him today, she's going to try to get him. So he couldn't do it from London. He did it videotaped out of Berlin. And guess what? He went on and he didn't say anything about these uh, new 10,000 emails and he just said he'd have stuff about other things over the course of the remainder of the year, but never said anything. So I don't know what this is all about. I'm just sharing it with you because you never know what this guy, Assange, is going to do. And you may read tomorrow or the next day that he says Hillary was going to kill him, she was going to send a drone to get him, and that's the story behind the drone. Now let's go to fundraising. I don't know if you're finding tonight interesting. I find these things interesting. There was a fundraiser Saturday night in Paris for Hillary Clinton and Bush's daughter Bush too George W Bush his daughter Barbara Bush who's 34 years old was present at the fundraiser for Hillary Clinton makes sense to me he he is anti he's anti uh, Trump and I can understand it and her grandfather Bush one is anti Anti Trump, I can understand her being there and representing the family. The money wasn't too heavy. It was $5,000 to attend, and it was $10,000 for preferred seating. Representing Hillary was what I refer to as her chief of staff, Hama Abedin. Hama Abedin. And she's been with Hillary for years. And a lot of Euro elite, European elite, the, you know, the cream of the crop, the top uh, of the, the champagne, of the ta- top of the casket, whatever it is, uh, they were all there. And I'm going to show you, I'm going to read this, because this had to be an interesting gathering, and I'm laughing because none of these people really can help Hillary other than the, give her five or $10,000, I don't think. Maybe they can. Anyhow, it was hosted by Anna Wintour. Anna Winter is the editor-in-chief of Vogue. It was held at the mansion of American-born socialite Lauren Davis Santo Domingo. She is the wife of the Colombian beer multimillionaire Andre Santo Domingo, who is first cousin to Tatina Santo Domingo, who is married to Princess Caroline of Monaco's son, Andrea. <laughs> Those are the people that were there. Those are the people who were throwing it. All right, we're done with politics. I want to get to Hurricane Hurricane Matthew. Terrible. Uh, This is by far the worst hurricane I I think I've seen coming this way uh, since I bought this house in 1998 here in Key West. Uh, Hurricanes are fickle. I keep saying this. I write about it. They they. They're, they change, just like that. They change. They change their mind. They go in another direction. This thing started off as a tropical storm. In one day, it went from a Category 1 to a Category 5. One day, and then dropped back to a 4, and it stayed a 4 for the last two or three days. It's beating the hell out of Haiti already as a 4. It's it's in, going into Cuba right now, or it's heading towards Cuba, and it's supposed to turn when it gets to Cuba and go back north, hopefully to avoid certain parts of the United States. Well, don't know if that's going to happen, because my concern is this. All day, you know, I live in Key West. We get concerned. We don't talk about it. We say, you know, don't worry about it. But we worry. And I keep watching the, the uh, Weather Channel. And the cone of Matthew that turns north, it was out there in the ocean this morning. And maybe it was going to start hitting the American shore north, North Carolina or South Carolina, or maybe not till it got to New York City. Uh, by the end of the day, it has moved. It has moved constantly to the west so that now it's someplace between Miami, it could hit, the outer border, the outer border. Uh, on the uh, west side of Matthew could hit north of Miami, could hit Palm Beach, or maybe the northern part of Miami, a northern part of Florida, Uh, or maybe not. But this is the first time the cone has come into the state of Florida so much. And every time it moves a little more westward today, it moves closer to the Florida Keys. And I have a concern there, a personal one, obviously. Uh, and if it keeps moving, we're going to have a hurricane here. I doubt it. I hope not. Well, uh, If it stays the way it is, we're going to have a hell of a lot of rain and wind. No big deal. We've done that before. Uh, but if this thing keeps moving to the left, it's going to be bad news down here. It's going to be bad news per- somewhere on the coast, the Atlantic coast, or it may not be at all because if this mother starts turning a little bit to the right, it'll miss the whole coast of the United States. You don't know. It's fickle. It is fickle. Wind is fickle. I learned that from sailing. Wind is fickle. You never know which way the wind's going to go when you're sailing. Uh, and so are hurricanes. You never know what they're going to do, and this one has me a bit concerned. All right. South Carolina. Zika. I'm done with the hurricane. I'm talking about Zika now, mosquito-caused, babies with small heads, Uh Not a good thing. And we have been concerned as a nation, as a people, since January of this year. We are into October. And this thing was going to cause all kinds of problems in the United States. We have had some cases. We may have had several hundred. I'm not sure of the number. I know in the Keys we've only had four. From West to Miami we've had four. In Miami they've had maybe 40, 50, I don't know, maybe 200. But they're in isolated areas. It has not yet been the tragedy it could be. It reminds me of Ebola. We got all geared up to fight Ebola, and then nothing happened. Congress waited. They just gave the money to the president to fight uh, Zika. And I think the money should be used, and we should safeguard ourselves. But we shouldn't go crazy and do crazy things. And here is what happened in South Carolina. It just happened a couple of days ago, my friends. They're concerned about Zika. Everybody's concerned about Zika. So what they did was they took the town of Dorchester in South Carolina, and Dorchester is home to beekeepers. That's a business. The farmers grow or have beehives, and they deal with whatever comes out of a beehive, honeys, or what have you. And there's millions of bees in these hives. And they sent two planes over Dorchester, and they sprayed. They sprayed with Naled, N-A-L-E-D. You've heard of it. It's an, assess- an insecticide that has been banned in many places in the United States and in the world for at least 10 years, but it's still permitted to be used in certain places, and South Carolina apparently can use it. There is no medical proof anywhere since this Problem of Zika came up in January that NALAD will take care of the mosquito problem causing Zika. But they sprayed with NALAD because you got to do something, don't you understand? People go crazy, you got to do something. And here's what happened instantly, when that spray hit Dorchester, millions of bees died. No mosquitoes died. (laughs) I'm laughing, I'm sorry, this is sad. Millions of bees died. No mosquitoes died, okay? Uh, one farmer had 46 hives. He had 2.5 million bees in those hives. I don't know how this works. I didn't think beehives were that big or they had that many. Uh, they're dead, is 2.5 million bees. So when I say millions of bees were killed, they were killed. And, and again, it, it just I find it amazing. They knew this goddamn dalad was no good, and it would hurt somebody or something. It killed the bees, all the bees in Dorchester, millions of them, and never touched the mosquito problem. All right, the Greeks. I love Greece. You know how much time I spent there. I've talked about it in my book. I've written about Greece, uh, The World Upside Down, that I published three or four about three years ago. I know Greece. I know Athens. I know the islands, not all the islands. I've spent months all over Greece. I know Greece. And the things I wrote about are happening, and some have already happened. Right now, the Greeks elected a new president last year, and his name is um, Tisparis. Tisparis. He came out of no place because the Euro Union was killing the Greeks because they couldn't pay back the loans. They wanted more and more austerity. He said no austerity, and on that he won election. This guy came out of nowhere, and he won election, and he fought austerity, and he fought the Euro Union until this past July. He blinked. He blinked, and he said, okay, I'm going to cut pensions. I'm going to cut this. I'm going to cut that. you got to loan us money to bail us out from the Euro Union so they could meet their notes. Well, These people have had their pensions cut forever for the last five, six years in uh, Greece, and they're upset. So three days ago in Athens, 2,000 pensioners, retired people were protesting. They wanted to go to the president's office. Uh, The army came out, stopped them, but it was a riot. They had to use tear gas and pepper spray on the protesting pensioners. All right. And, uh, That's where it is, and they're each going to cut. Tisparis is going to cut their pensions again. The Greek people won't take it. Too many things have been cut. Their way of life is terrible. They're they're a step above Venezuela, but that's as good as they are over there. They're hurting bad and have been for several years. And this Tisparis, they're going to have a special election probably at some point, uh, and he's going to be defeated, and I'm going to tell you, Who is going to be, who's going to compromise the next government of Greece? It's going to be the Nazi Party. I said this in my book that I wrote three years ago. I wrote it in my blog five years ago. I talked about it on my television show at the time. I talked about it on this show that at some point the Nazi Party was going to take over. They are the third most powerful party in Greece at the present time. Uh, Everyone loves the Nazis. I'm going to tell you this right now. The Nazis take care of people. And the the Nazis, the Nazi party is just like Adolf Hitler's people. They've got a flag with a swastika that looks like Hitler's swastika. is isn't exactly the same. They had these black-shirted people, not brown shirts, black shirts, black pants, ties. They're all Aryans. These are six-foot young men. They got blonde hair, (coughs) muscular. They're all over the place. And, They controlled. They controlled the government five years ago, the street government, Uh, main streets of Athens. I saw people beat up. Immigrants, the immigrants in Greece today are the Jews in Nazi Germany in the 1930s. They, they made the Nazi party five years ago, made the immigrants before everyone else did in this world, the bad people, and went after them. They were breaking windows on the main drag of Athens, the fanciest stores, uh, of, where there were immigrants who owned them. Uh, they were putting painting X's on them. They were pulling people out of the shops who were immigrants and beating them up in the streets. And guess what? The police did nothing, because half of the... Uh, police force were members of the Nazi Party, and no one wants, wanted to piss off these uh, the Nazi Party people because they're on the streets day and night. Very intimidating. I mean, I had no problem by day, but when I was walking by night, I stayed on the main streets because... They must know who's a foreigner and who, and who isn't. I'd walk by them, and I'm wondering what they're thinking. They're not even looking at me. Somebody else comes up behind me, and they pull him aside and knock him on his head. Uh, and they're the best the party going to take over. And it's all Merkel's fault, Germany's fault, and the Euro Union. They're going to pull. And once the Nazi Party gets in, they're going to pull out of the Euro Union like England did. Followed by Italy, Spain, and Portugal, and this is all going to happen by the end of next year. The Euro Union is going to go down the tubes. Major economic problems may be worldwide, but it's going to happen. They tried to make a United States of Europe. It failed. That, my friend, is the show for this week. Uh, I hope you enjoyed. I apologize so much political talk, but I thought these were oddball things that that should be shared with you. Uh, I know most of you, again, are going to listen to the show in the archive version, as you generally do. It's on Black Talk Radio, YouTube, and is linked to my Key West Lou website. I write a blog every morning, My Life in Key West. You can find it on keywestlou.com. Take a look at it. You can find out what I do to be happy and have fun down here in Key West. You might enjoy it. It's short. And I also throw in some political thoughts also. Again, I thank you for joining me. I look forward to being with you next week.